Obtuse Episode 127, State of the Church. This is going to be a little bit of a different podcast. I just kind of want to share my heart for a few minutes. I fully intended to share all this information in our last all staff, but our team building and discussion kind of dominated the time, and I wanted to make sure I could spend the appropriate amount of time with this. I thought this venue might be the best. You know, there's certain events that show you where your heart is, and the other day I had a dream. I'm not someone who has a lot of dreams. I don't know why, I just don't. Um, but this was a dream I had, and it was really more of a nightmare, and it's kind of comical, really. Charity told me I had this dream because I had just preached on stress that morning on Sunday, and it was one of the most stressful dreams I ever had. So there I was. You know how dreams are. You just kind of all of a sudden become aware. And I kind of just become aware that I'm talking to a group of people that I've never met before. And somehow I ascertain that I'm in Tahlequah and I figure out through this conversation with these random strangers that I have just accepted a pastoral role at their church. And I'm super confused. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? This is a mistake. This is not something that I would want to do. And so just in my own mind, I'm like, okay, well, I got to manage this situation because somehow these people have misunderstood that I'm going to come down here and pastor this church. And I don't even know where the building is. I'm just talking to people and I'm just not going to do that. So I realize that I need to somehow get out of this situation so I can come back home, you know, and make sure everything's right. Well, you know how dreams are. They're kind of fuzzy. Well, in the middle of all this fuzziness, I realize that I've already resigned here where I'm at. And now I'm really confused because I'm thinking to myself, I would not have done that. What is going on? Somebody set me up. This is a mistake. And so now I am absolutely panicking in my dream because I do not want to make this, this transition. You know, what, why would I do this? What happened? What went wrong that people would think? And I was terrified and I woke up out of that dream in an instant and my heart was beating. I was sweaty. And you know how you come out of a nightmare. You're, you're starting to evaluate when you're starting to come back to consciousness. Was that a dream? Was that a dream? Was that a dream? And thank the Lord it was a dream. And I kind of, I told Charity about it the next morning. I was like, what in the world was that about? And she said, well, you preached on stress the next morning. So that's why you had a, a, a stress dream at night. You know, and I, obviously that dream doesn't mean anything. But if it did show me anything, it was just a simple reminder of how much I love this place. You know, when you think about the calling of God and how the Lord calls you to different places, you start to think about what an honor that is. And then you start looking around the people that God has planted you next to, and you can't help but be thankful and I'm really thankful for you as a staff. I'm thankful for our deacon board, our leadership team. I'm thankful for our church. I just love these people. And the idea of leaving these people would be a nightmare to me right now. It's not something I have any desire to do because these people mean so much to me. And so I've been very reflective the last several months. You might notice a trend in pastoral ministry that a lot of pastors move in the fifth year. And I really think it's probably because Around year four or five, it's just a natural conclusion to a season. It takes two or three, four years to kind of burn through some of your ideas. You kind of get through a season. You, you see a lot of growth. You, you have a little bit of loss. And there's no doubt that's really where our church is at. We are at the end of a season here at the church. You know, when I first got here, I talked to the deacon board a lot about the need and the necessity to plant seeds of ministry. We'd have to plant seeds in the hope that we would get a harvest someday. The things that we did in the beginning, we were hoping would produce a harvest later on. And indeed, that is what we have seen. When I look around at our church right now, it's amazing to see the, the things that the Lord has done. 
This church is not the same church it was a couple years ago. The Lord has been faithful, and we have seen a harvest over and over again in the lives of people. You know, we could start naming names, and it would just, just wreck us spiritually and emotionally because we've seen what the Lord has done, and it's been good. I want you to stop right now, and I want you to just take a mental scan of the sanctuary on Sunday morning and think about the different people and the lives that the Lord has changed. And he's called us to be a part of that. We've seen this harvest, and it's been so fun to be a part of, but that season is over, and it's time to start planting some seeds again. You know, we're about to head into a new season, and I just, you know, just as a farmer knows that one season's coming to a conclusion, and he needs to gear up for the next one, that's kind of what has been on my heart lately. And so I've been praying a lot. You know, Lord, what do you desire to do here? Are, Are we on the right track? Do you desire to change something, audit our situation in our lives? I truly believe in what the Lord is trying to do here. And I believe that the Lord wants to instill a healthy culture in this church that impacts people's lives. That's not changed because the local church really is the hope for Delaware County. The local church is the hope of the world. And I know that's a cliche saying, but it's 100% true. And this local body, J First Assembly, needs to be healthy because when it's healthy, the people inside are healthy and it also helps other people find hope. Not hope in the church, but hope in Christ. And that's what we've seen. We've seen a lot of people that have found hope in Christ, and the Lord is winning hearts, particularly of men. It's amazing to watch the men that have started coming into the church and how God's changed their life. And this isn't transfer growth from a different church to ours. This is conversion growth, and I'm very, very excited about that. So as I'm sitting here and and prayerfully asking the questions, auditing what the next season is, It occurred to me that there are five things that have created the secret sauce for the last harvest that I think we really want to remember and hold on tightly to as we go into this next harvest. And there are five challenges that we're going to have going forward because our church is now different. So the challenges have changed. Now, the good news, I think the secret sauce in a lot of ways has to say the same, but the challenges are going to be different. And and, and frankly, there's, there's some big challenges. So I got two different lists for you, 10 things total. Let me give you the five, the five uh, things that I really think have created the secret sauce to our success at this point. These are things that we want to hold on to. The first real ingredient, I, I think, is the value of culture dictating the mission. You know, I know that that's not like a, a real exciting thing to say when we first got here. I said, I want to create a healthy culture in this church that impacts the community. And, and truthfully, that has, has been what has happened. Our values need to stay core. You know, we are a church that's built on the firm foundation of the Word of God. Right now, there's so much lies and errors out inside the culture, and it's always been that way. It just feels like it's propagated more through social media. And I think a lot of people just are looking for some truth. And so we want to hold on to the the Bible as our foundation of truth, as our, our, our rock, so that when the wind and the waves come, when the storms of life come, as Jesus said, our house is not blown over. And that's why we need to preach the word. We, we can't proof text sermons. we got to read chunks. We have to let the word of God capture people's hearts. And we have to trust that God's word is sufficient to change people's lives. It's not if we're funny in the sermon. It's not if we're engaging in the sermon. It's not, it's not if we have good illustrations in the sermon. It needs to be the word of God changes people's lives. We are a church that is going to pursue fellowship with the Lord. That's why we have altar calls every weekend. That's why we have a prayer time and response. It's why our worship is Christ-focused and not me-focused because ultimately what Christ desires is to have a relationship, fellowship with his people. We are a spirit-led church. 
And you know my definition of that. Are we spirit-led in the marketplace? Uh, a lot of people can say they act spiritual in church, however that looks, talk spiritual, spiritual gifts or whatever. And none of those things are wrong. But if we're not doing it in the marketplace, that's a problem. So what's the evidence of that? Well, I, I have stories, and I can't, I can't say names, but just things that I know that have happened in the last couple of months of, of recording this podcast. There are people who have welcomed others into their home who had no place to stay. There are people that I know right now that went and bought other people's school supplies and clothes because they knew that they couldn't afford it. There, there are people I know right now that have blessed people at restaurants spontaneously and impacted their situation. Those, those are just a few things that I can point to in the last couple of weeks that I personally, stories I have heard, people inviting others to church that need hope, people praying with one another, people discipling one another. These are things that we're seeing. And it's evidence that the Holy Spirit's working in people's lives. We are a church that walks in unity as a spiritual family. You know, I just, I just don't hear complaints from our people about one another. They just, they love each other. Our people get along. They fellowship. When there's opportunities to hang out, they show up. I mean, for crying out loud, we had 90 people show up at that movie night the other day. It's awesome. You know, we're a church on mission. As I said a moment ago, we have conversion growth. And I, I think all that stuff is really important. We don't want to stop. We're making an impact in the community. We're going to keep going. You know, those, those are things that we, we propagate, we, we, we advocate for. We will be a church that reaches men right where they're at. We are going to be a church that is going to do everything in their power to be generous towards others. We're going to be a church that operates in excellence and creativity. We're going to be a church that rises up leadership within this walls. Those values are going to produce a church that I want to be a part of. And I can tell you that that culture has taken root and it's spiritually attractive because of the conversations I have with new people. I never ask people what they think of the church when they come. I'll let them bring it up. And they will. Just give them a time, they will bring it up. And they start to compliment our cultural traits, even though they don't know that those are our cultural traits. How can they do that? Because they feel it. Culture is contagious, and people want to be a part of a healthy culture, and I'm unwilling to compromise that. That's, that's the first ingredient, secret sauce. Second ingredient, ingredients to this secret sauce of our success, I, I truly believe, is the willingness to adjust roles, tactics, and strategies when needed. The church world is rapidly changing. The world is rapidly changing. J First Assembly specifically has changed a lot over the last three or four years. And honestly, our community's changing a lot over the last three or four years. Even in the time I've been here, there's been a lot of changes in this community. And so those realities have created the necessity for us to be flexible in our individual roles and our responsibilities. Every one of us, has had to make a shift in our role functions at least once, most of us multiple times. And that ability and that willingness to shift has allowed us to meet the needs of the body in an adequate way. I, I don't think that this can be overlooked. This is a, a unique aspect of our church that I think is really, really, really beneficial. We have, we have people who have staying power. In other words, we have people that have been around for a really long time in this church even though we're adding new people, they're staying really long, but they're, the people we have are willing to adjust their role and their function to meet the needs of the body, and that has allowed our people to stay fresh. Let's be honest, fresh challenges just invigorate all of us, and we've seen that in our people. And so we need to all assume that all of our precisions are going to constantly be changing, and we need to be open-handed with our calling that we have in the moment. Because if we do that, I really think that we can be adaptable in any situation we find ourselves in, and we'll be able to continue to grow. 
because the truth of the matter is what we've done, what we have done yesterday is what got us where we are today. But if we are going to continue to advance tomorrow, we're going to all have to change as we go along. Third ingredient, I think, to our secret sauce is open arms to anyone and everyone who walks to the door. You know, we have all kinds of people that come through the door. Delaware County is a very unique place. You have people that are very wealthy and you have people that are very poor. You have people with a lot of education, some with no education. You have people with a lot of common sense, some with no common sense. I mean, this is a very diverse group of people. And Jake told me in our very first conversation when he called me when, before I moved here, he said, everyone in Delaware County puts their pants on one leg at a time. He said, he said even though it's a unique place, everybody just kind of gets along. And that was, that's been my assessment also. You see that in our church. I mean, we have all types of people walk through this door, and it seems like they're all comfortable. And I want to make sure that we have the same heart as Jesus to hold on to these people, you know, to go to the highways and byways. And anybody that wants to walk through this door is welcome to come here and find the hope in Christ. The fourth ingredient to our secret sauce is that we have given a lot of people a seat at the table. You know, we have a lot of volunteers, a lot of leaders who have a real voice in what we're doing. And I don't believe that, you know, it's the same five people doing the same things over and over and over again, man. We, we have a lot of people that are helping row this boat. You know, the old joke used to be that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I just don't think that's true here. We have a lot of people who are getting opportunities to have a seat at the table. And we want to continue to do that. First Corinthians 12 makes it very clear that we all have a role to play in the body and everyone needs an opportunity to find their place. And so our strength is in our numbers. And we want the number of people engaged in their God-given gifts to continue to increase. Because when people get on the teams, they make friends, they engage in discipleship, and they're more effective in their ministry. And frankly, we're all healthier because of it. The body is effective when all of its members are engaged, and we want to engage the members in the body. Fifth and finally, a secret recipe, secret sauce. I, I, I know I mentioned this a moment ago, but it's worth mentioning again, specifically men. Men, by and large, resonate with our style. I hear it over and over again from the men. Feminist church is not the answer. No offense to the ladies. It just doesn't work for guys. And so when you look at a lot of the problems in our country, the answer is going to be that most of these need strong manhood. They need men to rise up, be with their families, be fathers, be husbands, be active in their community. Not at the expense of women's roles. I'm not advocating that you know women need to stay home, obviously. But what I am saying is I am advocating that men get engaged. And I think we're seeing that happen in our church. Now, in my opinion, those five ingredients to the sauce of our success is something we want to hold on to and we don't want to let go. Now, having said that, anytime you have success, it also creates some challenges. And, and we do have some challenges going forward. And we need to be aware of these challenges. And we need to prayerfully work through these things. The first challenge is this going to be the constant need to raise up deacons and elders in the church, to raise up leadership. I get the feeling that this was one of Paul's biggest challenges because when he's writing at the end of his life to Titus and Timothy, he's just addressing this issue with them over and over again that they need to raise up you know, deacons and elders within the church, probably because Paul was really good at winning the lost and planting churches, but then he needed someone to take over the pastoral care while he moved on to the next town. And I would say that's going to be our biggest challenge too, you know, our success and failure, not, not by a worldly metric, but by generational discipleship-making metrics, will be dependent upon the ability of us raising up deacons and elders. And that's a very slow process. You know, the, the question I'm asking myself is, can we do it fast enough? 
that's a challenge. I mean, this is something that you can't rush. So we have to continue to be diligent in raising up deacons and elders. And that's why I'm pushed so much this year. Who's your twos and threes? How are you developing them? How are you speaking into their life? How are you encouraging them? How are you loving them? I mean, those are all very important things. I saw a pastor the other day that said that he believed when you're in church, you know, under 300, that you have to grow by 50 people every year just to stay even, you know, because people move on and people pass away and just all kinds of things. And he's probably right. So that need to consistently raise up leadership is going to be a a real challenge. Second challenge going forward is that we're going to have to figure out how to grow smaller while growing bigger so that discipleship truly happens. You know, Charity and I strive to meet with all the new people for a meal. We, we, we do the best we can to be diligent in that. We're, we're not always successful. We do the best we can. Here's what we're finding out. There are not enough breakfast and lunch dates. There's not enough Sunday afternoons to, to meet everybody new that has come to our church for lunch or breakfast or whatever. We're getting bigger. I mean, it's crazy all the new families start attending just in the summer. We're getting bigger, so we have to figure out how – to divide these people into smaller groups so that we can truly disciple them and they can get plugged in and build relationships, et cetera. That's going to be a real challenge. I got some ideas on that. We'll circle back around that till at a later time. Third, and this is just something that I want to make you aware of. Uh, this is something I always read about and now we're experiencing financial expenditures outpace financial increase inside of a church. This is a very practical thing. And I want to be careful with this statement we are very blessed as a church, and so I'm definitely not advocating a poverty mindset. I also believe that the Lord will bring every resource we need to do what he's called us to do. Uh, I also believe that a church only needs to be motivated, a spirit-filled believer with a Bible to grow a church. So, you know, money's not everything by any means. Having said all that, the challenge is we have to determine realistically what our resources are and how to properly steward and allocate those resources. Anybody that talks about church growth will always tell you that your numbers will increase faster than your finances. Well, the the problem with that is that as your numbers increase, the expenses associated to that increase also. So we have, you know, way more financial increase than we first got here. But it's still a challenge that we're going to be aware of. We're just going to be good stewards of what God has brought to us and, and try to allocate those resources appropriately. The fourth challenge going forward is keeping the energy level fresh for the top levels of leadership. You know, we can get burned out after a while. You know, there will never be more zeal, passion for ministry, devotion to spiritual disciplines, energy for the calling from the body than there is from the leadership. In other words, we are the thermostats for the church when it comes to passion for the ministry, zeal for the Lord, or spiritual disciplines, all that stuff. So the moment that your zeal and your passion, your devotion, your energy start to wane in the Lord, or hit for the Lord or his church or the lost. That's the moment we, we need to get on our face and get rejuvenated, reinvigorated, or we need to get out of the way. Because if we continue fireless inside of a heart, before long we're going to be doing more damage than we are help. This is why I have a policy when someone resigns, I, just, I, I let them. Because at that point, they're already expressing something they've been feeling for a long time. And the truth is that all of us have seasons. I mean, all of us have moved on. From previous things so we we have to self-regulate in this area we have to be honest with ourselves and with the lord you know do do i have what is required for this next season there's no shame in that but we also have to make sure that we stay impassioned you know both personally and our devotions the moment that we start walking away from the devotion devotional life bad things are going to happen at the same time we need to stay passionate for his church specifically the people not passionate for the building or the programs or the ideas but we got to stay passionate for the people 
And if we're not there, that's going to be a problem. So that's going to be a challenge because, you know, ministries, uh, it's, it's definitely an endurance run. And sometimes we can get tired. So we, we have to either get the energy back or we have to figure something out. Fifth challenge, defining the proper metrics for success. How do you know you're being faithful to the Lord and what he's called you to do? You know, getting the metrics right is, is, is difficult. Getting the measuring sticks right is difficult. You guys heard in, in the podcast with Josh that we did a couple of weeks ago, you know, he talked about that. You know, what, what are the measuring sticks? You know, like we know it's not good to determine the success, you know, the health, the failure, what have you, of the church based upon, you know, how many people were here in the offering. Like that, that you know, you can draw a crowd and get some money, but that doesn't mean people are really having their life changed. So getting those measuring sticks right is something that's going to be a challenge going forward because the culture is changing and so we have to make sure we get that right so i kind of want to wrap it up with this you know i truly believe we're in an amazing spot if you were asking me the state of the church i i think we're healthy and man i'm hungry for the future i've been having a lot of fun the last several months just talking to these new people and we got a lot of things coming down the pipe that i'm really excited about and what it's really humbling is you know the other day i read the vision script again and it's amazing that we're only three years in and how much of that's already come to pass and it was planned for five you know but i don't want to stop i want to see more men in the church i want to see more leaders called and developed and released i want to see more people snatched from the mouth of the enemy i want to see more ladies broken under the power of the holy spirit i want the word to come alive in my own heart and in the people's heart i want the lord's hand to refine me prune me and guide me i want him to get the thanksgiving and the praise from my life so where are you at you know, where's your heart at in all of this? You know, if I was to ask you the state of your ministry, where would it be? Where's your heart at? What's been the success or the secret sauce of your success to this point? You know, what are the challenges going forward for you? I want to encourage you, be in prayer. You know, and pray these prayers. Lord, bring an abundance of spiritual vitality to my life. Lord, keep the burden fresh for the people that you put in my care. Lord, show me how to raise the leadership that you have planted in my ministry to the top of the heap and help me to develop them. You know, you pray those three prayers, and there's no telling what God will do. I'm excited for the future. I hope you are too. God bless.